Welcome to Solving Temporary Staffing Problems, the only podcast which helps you create winning MSP VMS programs that are efficient, comprehensive, and save you millions. Learn to enhance your current VMS MSP program or simply build your own with the absolute authorities in temporary staffing. Welcome to another episode of Solving Temporary Staffing Problems. I'm Brianna Strobel. And I'm Jean-Paul Renard. And today we're joined by our wonderful guest, Katie Culp. She is an absolute expert in background screening and drug testing services, which is the topic of today. Background checks, how they work, and how they impact your business. Now, Katie has over 15 years experience in the industry. She is currently the Vice President of Operations and Compliance at Chain Solutions. That's C-H-A-N-E Solutions. Um, she has an impressive collection of certifications and experiences which make her an absolute expert in providing regulatory compliance and safe workplaces. So Katie, how are you? Doing great. Thanks so much for having me today. I'm excited to be here. Cool. So just to kind of kick things off, I was going to ask what led you to the background um, screening space and what is it that you enjoy most about the work? Sure. So it's kind of funny how it all happened. So I was in college. I was a criminal justice major. I really enjoyed that uh, that space. And I actually thought I wanted to be a police officer, but uh, an internship gone wrong taught me that no drug dealer on the corner is going to be afraid of me. So I decided, you know, that's probably not the right route for me to go. So I got into court research, court record research, and uh, it was a niche that I didn't even know was out there. I started doing that and one thing led to another. um, And I really enjoyed, you know, kind of becoming the mechanism for making sure that employers had a safe place to work uh, and that their employees and their assets were protected as well. And then also being able to be on the other side of it where you can also help consumers you know, get jobs and help them through that hiring process. So it's kind of like the best of both worlds. And I really enjoyed that. That's awesome. So you kind of stayed like, even though you didn't stay in, in, in uh, criminal justice, somehow you went into a, a related type of industry as a career, huh? Exactly. I didn't even know it was out here. So I'm really glad that I found it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Cool. Well, Katie, we have a bunch of conversation, uh, a bunch of questions for you around this conversation because um, we know that the background check industry and drug testing industry it vastly changes and it's somewhat fluid based on legislation. Um, and I think that there's a lot of misunderstandings around background checks from a client's perspective on, on what they're purchasing, how they are purchasing those items. And I think that I, I get a lot of questions constantly about like, well, what kind of background check do we run? What kind of drug tests, you know, from panel drug testing to what are we doing a nationwide? Are we doing a state? Are we doing a county search? And I think having somebody like you to explain the differences, you know, what are the purchasing differences and the purchasing options when companies are looking to do background checks? So what can they expect as a result based upon making those selections? And then I thought we would talk a little bit about the current environment on the COVID environment and how that's impacting. But maybe if you can give the audience a little bit of an understanding of kind of the menu of items when you're doing a background check and maybe a drug test on someone, you know, what are the differences between a state check, a national search check, a unlimited county check? Can you, can you explain that a little bit to the audience for us? Sure. And as you're saying it, I can understand why, you know, it 
can sound very overwhelming to employers um, and staffing companies. And uh, the best place to start is really the first question I always ask employers when they call about background checks is, why are you running the background check in the first place? Uh, typically, you're doing it for one of three reasons. One, it's because you're just doing your due diligence. You just want to make sure that you're protecting yourself and your employees and your assets. Um, and in the event that you get a negligent hiring claim, you want to say, hey, I tried to do the best that I could to make sure that this person was safe to be in our office or out and about with our, you know, wherever we're placing them. Uh, the other reason is they're required to do it by their client. And that often happens in the world of staffing. Um, your client is requiring a background check. Um, and in that scenario, my first question is, well, what kind of background check is your client requiring? And your client will typically tell you what kind they want or they won't. And you're going to know the answer to that. And that's kind of where we start. Uh, and then the third reason is because the law is requiring it. There's some sort of state law or state requirement, depending on the type of position that you're staffing for. Maybe there's, you know, child abuse requirements or fingerprinting requirements. And the state is saying, hey, you need to check off these boxes in order to make sure that you're doing what you need to do. Um, and so that's always the first question that comes into play so that you know, okay, in the world of services that you can offer for a background check, which ones am I going to want? And which ones am I even going to talk about? So the most common background check that most people will run is what most people call a national check. We call it a multi-jurisdictional, and that's because there really is no true national check. The multi-jurisdictional covers millions of records from hundreds of jurisdictions um, close to 3,500, I believe it is now. Um, and it's a database search. So it's bringing up records that, you know, more so criminal activity where the person may or may not have lived, but it's a pointer search. So it says out of all these hundreds of jurisdictions, here's where we think there may be some criminal activity. And then we take that, what we find, and we run county level searches to pull those records from verifiable sources. So a national search is really just that it's a it's a database search, it's a pointer search, and it's a blanket search. It's something every employer should run. We recommend it to everybody. Um, the next common check attached to that is what a lot of people call the social security trace. The social security trace that you've heard, the address locator search, they're one and the same. Uh, and what it's doing is it's bringing up all the names and addresses associated with your candidate based on their social security number that they entered. And that is, to me, the most important search that you can run in a background check because it's you're discovering things about the candidate that they didn't necessarily tell you. Um, you know, the names that they've used. 95% of the time, background checks are done based on name and date of birth to start. And so if they're not giving you their correct name or the name that they use on official documents, the information that you get is only going to be so accurate and only so reflective of, you know, the actual history of that specific candidate. Katie, can I interrupt you for a sec? Because that's a really good point. So if you're doing a national search and you're just putting in the name of a person and a date of birth, I think is what you said. So name of person and date of birth, DOB. And let's say somebody misspells the name just entering it, right? Which is probably a common thing, right? Human error. Um, I, I suspect that the outcome uh, would be that there are no negative files on that person because maybe because it's it searched the database for that person but that person actually doesn't even exist is that is that fair to say it is fair in most cases however you know there have been there's a lot of intelligence out there now where the, the system can often detect some sort of nicknames or a reverse transpose of digits but where it's going to become the most problem from the national search specifically 
is maiden names, for example, or nicknames that are not at all close to the actual name that you entered. Um, last names, double last names, hyphenated last names, things like that. Whereas when you run that social security trace, we might see that you ran the national under um, you know, Kimberly Jones. But when we run the social security trace, we're gonna see that Kim Smith is actually who she's gone by all her life because she just got married. Right. So if you don't search Kim Smith, you're essentially not really running a background check or one that's really worth too much. Um, and then she could also have a hyphenated last name. Maybe she was married twice. Um, and so though all of those things are really important to make sure you're checking for. So that national and the social security trace are the two most important ones. And with that of even more importance is your county level search. And that's the one you probably hear about the most. And that right. you're going to get the most accurate information about where the person currently resides. And you're currently, you know, you're normally looking for the last seven years as well. Um, and that's because the information that you get is going to be the most comprehensive and the most accurate when you're on a county level search. You're getting felonies and misdemeanors, and that's usually where the most relevant records are kept at the county level. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. So at the county level, the unique identifier, again, is the social then, correct? Typically, you're searching by name and date of birth at the county level. Oh, okay. So if you do like what they call that unlimited county search, are they using... So do you have to do that search along with the social security trace search, like buy them separately? Yes. So the social security okay. trace is kind of driving those county searches. The social okay. security trace is saying, here's the names and addresses they've, you know, the names they've used and the addresses they've lived at. So now we're going to order all the county searches associated with the names that come up for the last seven years and okay. in every county that they've lived in for the last seven years. When that candidate may have only told you, you know, I've only lived in Bucks County, Pennsylvania my whole life, and my name is Kim Jones. And in reality, it's not at all. And that social security trace is going to tell us that behind the scenes. And we use that to order those additional county searches. Okay. So, um, yeah, I think so. I, I think it complete, uh, completely makes sense. So if you're doing, if you had to, like, put an order um, from top to bottom, the most thorough, and using like unlimited county or national database search, and I have a follow-up question on that. Um, and so you would say, regardless of the order that you put those in, you got to do the social security. You got to do all three. Absolutely. Okay. And there's a price difference um, on using all three in comparison to just cherry picking one of them. Correct. Typically, yes. Now, again, I'm speaking from an industry perspective. Um, every yeah. Every background screening company prices differently. They bundle things differently. But most of the time, every background screening company will tell you, we can't guarantee any price at the end of the day. And that's typically because even if you know what searches you're running, depending on how many counties they've lived in, how many names they've used, and what court fees might be associated with the given counties that you perform, it's sometimes fluid. Um, and those aren't always prices that we have control over as a background screening company. They're driven by the record repositories. That was my next question in regards to what's driving the differences in pricing per state. Because like, I'll see the same type of search that you do in Indiana. You do that same search in New York. And in New York, it's 10 times more expensive. What drives that pricing? Is it the court fees? Right. So if you're just running a national accounting and a social security trace, those fees don't really come into play as much. There are county court fees, but those fees you're referring to are for statewide searches specifically. Um, statewide searches are basically uh, database searches most of the time. 
being pulled from the statewide repository and every state repository is different. So in Florida, it's the FDLE typically, which is the Florida Department of Law Enforcement. In Pennsylvania, it might be the state police. Um, but in you know, North Carolina, it, it's um, an all county search sort of thing. And so the fees are different depending on where the records are being pulled from. And those are being driven by the Florida Department of Law Enforcement or in Pennsylvania, PATCH, which is the Pennsylvania State Police. And in Pennsylvania, it's, I think, $22 now. New York is the highest one. I think they're, they were at 60 some dollars last year. And then there was uh, something passed that changed that to 95. So I mean, that hurt, that hurt. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So can you can you go into a little bit? Um, well, let me let me pivot this way. There's um, a lot of legislation continuously con changing, right? That's impacting background checks and drug tests and how they're administered and when you can and when you can't and things like that. Has has the changes within legislation something that is impacting your business? And how do you manage that? How do you manage the changes within legislation? Sure. So, yes, the legislation definitely impacts our business in ways where, you know, we talk to our, our customers and our partners and let them know about things that are changing that could affect the way that they're doing business. For example, um, legislation is often passed in states and, and cities saying, you know, you cannot run credit reports on, on employees that are coming into the company. Um, some of them are just restrictions. Some ban them completely. And there's always exceptions to every rule, it seems. And so if you're you know, hiring for a position where they're in charge of a lot of money, then maybe, okay, now you can run credit reports, even though the rest of the state bans it. Um, and so that impacts our clients and you know, our customers because we want to make sure that they know that they need to be careful in, say, California or New York. There's also, as you've probably seen more recently, more drug testing uh, legislation that's really starting to change. Um, in New York City, I think it's on May 10th, um, the law goes into effect where you're not allowed to test any longer on employees for specifically for marijuana. Um, and that's really important, something our customers will need to know. And again, there's always exceptions. And so even though we can point our customers in the right direction, there are still things that they need to make sure that they're thinking about and considering for their own business that they're running uh, because they could be the exception, they may not be. And so we talk our customers through that. How we manage that is by communicating with our customers. We, we're always sending out you know, notices and compliance, um, FYIs and things like that. Yeah, I was going to ask, how do you provide the, the guidance back to your customers? Do you like update your website? Do you do it to, you know, provide just general information? Do you send some newslettering out to your customer base to give them a heads up that something has changed in legislation that can impact the way that they're handling drug tests and backgrounds? How do you guys do that? Right. There's a lot of different ways to do that. We, we do, we use so many methods of communication, mostly um, we blast email notices constantly to our clients of anything that's really important. And we try to put in bright, you know, bright letters in the subject line exactly what it's about. So, you know, if it applies to you or not, our inboxes are all full. Um, we're posting on LinkedIn, we're posting blogs, we're sending out monthly newsletters. So we try to let our, our customers know in as many ways as we can. Um, I, I personally am um, the board liaison for the PBSA, which is the uh, Professional Background Training Association. I'm the board liaison to the Government Relations Committee. And in that committee, we're constantly keeping track of current legislation, 
other legislation coming down the pipeline. So it's really beneficial to our organization being, you know, one of the first to know what's coming and being able to make sure that we try and get ahead of it and notify our clients and make sure that they're prepared to handle it when it gets here. So I'd imagine like the value that you provide is not just the administration of running background checks and drug screenings, but also providing guidance and information back to the client base so that they are managing this complicated category properly. Absolutely. That's a, that's a huge part of what we do. That's the, my favorite part of, you know, every day what I'm doing in the office is consulting clients, talking to them about, you know, what should I do? What should I not do? And even though, you know, we're not necessarily giving legal advice, we're pointing them in the right direction. We're making sure that they're considering, uh, you know, certain things that are most important. Sure. Um, yeah. In regards to legislation, I've seen there's uh, a lot of new legislation around privacy laws. Can you um, do, have you seen an impact in your business around managing privacy laws? I know California's got some new privacy laws on information you can share and that you can't share. Um, and I know that there's been some some conversation in Congress uh, about these federal laws around privacy. Can you do you have any experience with that? You, can you give us an idea how you how you manage that as well? Yeah, privacy is a huge hot topic in the industry right now. There's a lot of we actually expected to see a lot more privacy laws coming down last year, uh, but not much happened other than the CCPA, which you were referring to in California, the California uh, Consumer C- Consumer Privacy Protection Act, I believe it is. Yeah, uh, that is kind of still moving along. Um, there were some amendments to it. Um, and as part of the government relations committee, we were actually submitting comments and trying to make sure that, you know, it was going in the right direction for, you know, consumer reporting agencies and employers to make sure that, you know, we're protected. Um, but privacy in general is something that we're always being, we're always involved in. And we always have to make sure that, you know, we have security and things like that. So, yeah, it's, it's always something that we're trying to manage. So, Katie, if you had to give um, our audience some advice on how, like, what to run uh, and what resources they, the audience should use to ensure that they're in federal and state compliance on how they're running their background checks, um, what would it be? Give us, give us an idea. Like, you go to a client, you say, this is how you should be running your background check. This is the type of background check. If you're looking for the most thorough, it should be this, this, and excluding, let's say, government agency, right? Because government agency has, right, 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 yeah. right. So that's a that's kind of a different animal. So just private sector, right? Commercial business. Um, what what advice would you give from like the, what you should be running, and how you should be keeping updated in regards to legislation to ensure that you're doing the right thing, and what you should be preaching out to your supplier base? Sure. So the most comprehensive best practices background check that every employer should be running at a minimum if the drive for the background checks is simply due diligence and to make sure that you're saying, I ran a good background check, would always be to run your social security trace, would be to run your current county level search on the name provided, and it would be your multi-jurisdictional that some people call a national. And then make sure that your background training agency is reviewing the social security trace and ordering all of the counties for the last seven years that this person has resided in under all of the names that this person has used in the last seven years. That is the best background check from my perspective that you can run so long as your client, if you're in the staffing world, is not requiring something additional. At a minimum, that's what you should be doing. 
And then to make sure that they're staying on top of any changing state, federal, local legislation that could affect them and the type of background checks that they're running, it is really most important, number one, that they at least have legal counsel or available to them to, to check, hey, I'm hiring somebody in a new area. We picked up a client. They're in California. What do I need to worry about? Um, and your legal counsel should point you in the right direction. But in terms of being able to have guidance, your background training company should also be able to point you in the right direction. They typically aren't giving you legal advice all the time, but they should be you know, pushing out those notices and letting you know what's changing. And you should be able to call them and they can say, hey, here's what you want to make sure you're not doing in California. Or you say you want to run this check, but you know what? I'm going to advise that you don't do that because there really are restrictions there on credit reports unless you have to. I got it. That's really, really helpful. I think that was fantastic. You didn't give Katie my social security number, did you? She's going to run a background check on me. She probably already has it. She has it already? She's got it covered. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. That's not good. <laughs> Katie, that was super, super helpful. Um, I think that our audience really struggles with this category quite a bit. And we get a lot of questions around it. Um, and then we see contracts that come in that are non-compliant, uh, typically that are coming from our customers and we go, wow, you know, and, and like you, we want to advise, we're not the legal authority for them. Uh, we want them to, you know, uh, again, address legal so they're making good decisions, but we want to provide them resources and advisement so that they're on the right track. So we really thank you for participating because I think that your message is really, really, uh, going to resonate to the audience for sure. What do you think, Brie? Yeah. Yeah. It's been excellent. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. So um, wrapping up with, with Katie, um, Katie, can you tell us a little bit about Chain Solutions? Where could people find you? And can you just briefly tell the audience the services that you provide? Sure, you bet. So we are a consumer reporting agency and drug testing company. So we, we can run every sort of background check that you could almost imagine. From criminal checks, we handle employment verifications, education verifications, which are important in addition to the criminal um, as something that you should also be doing in some way, shape, or form. Uh, references, and on the drug testing side, you know, any sort of panel, physicals, occupational health, we handle those as well, um, and we can help manage those programs. Um, to learn more about us, you can go to our website at chainsolutions.com. And as Brianna mentioned, it's C-H-A-N-E solutions.com. Uh, and you can call our office. You can ask for me. I'm happy to help guide you and help build your screening program um, the best we can. So we can ask for Katie Culp directly. And you promise yeah. you won't share my background check with Brianna. <laughs> she will use it against me. <laughs> 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 that so, was great that was awesome. great very helpful very yeah helpful. thank you so much for joining us katie um it's been uh an absolutely incredible episode of solving temporary staffing problems we thank you so much for for being here i'm brianna strobel i'm jean paul renard and uh we'll talk to everybody next time thanks katie thanks so much take care katie <laughs>